Good evening, Australia, and hello to the rest of the world. Welcome to Under the Wire, your home for censored and suppressed information about vaccination and health. My name is Meryl Dory, and I'd like to thank you all for joining me this evening on Under the Wire. Um, tonight, we don't have an interview, but what I do have is a recap of what is happening in the world of vaccination because there's an awful lot happening in this world as those of you who have not been living under a rock for the last few months would understand um, we are now over day 500 of two weeks to um, flatten the curve and that curve is still not flattened and yet somehow the government seems to think that if they continue to do what they've been doing all along, it's really going to be a different outcome. Um, and that is what I was taught is the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and accept, expecting a different outcome. Hello, Lynn. Good to see you here tonight. Thank you so much. And Adam, always lovely to see you. You're always one of the first ones on the show. And Maxine. Uh, hello, hello to you. <laughs> um, lovely to see you all. Now, I have an awful lot to cover this evening. Just to let you know, everyone who goes tomorrow to the AVN website, and I will repeat this later on, everyone who goes to the AVN website tomorrow afternoon to view the uh, file and, and to see the information about tonight's show will be also able to download a folder that is full of all the videos, all the files, and some more videos that I didn't show tonight because they are, you know, 20 minutes to 30 minutes long. So, um, if you are having any problem with the video tonight, if you want to make sure that you get all the background information, please go to the AVN website tomorrow after, say, 4 p.m., and you'll be able to download that folder. So, hey, Grant, nice to see you here for the first time. That's lovely. Thank you so much. And everybody else, thank you. John, very good to see you. Elham, very nice to see you. Hello. Um, I'm just trying to see. There's a lot of very familiar names here. Anna Sokola, that's right. Um, very much like my um, maiden name of Sokol. I remember you from before. <laughs> and good evening, Molly and Mary Rose. Good to see you again. And Elizabeth, hello to everybody. I can't say hello to everyone because I have so much to cover tonight that I don't want to keep you here until midnight, which I very well could do were I um, to actually say hello to everyone. So I hope you understand if I don't say hello to all. Um, it's wonderful to see you coming in from all around the world. Thank you so much. And please be sure to share tonight's program if you can. That would be great just to hopefully avoid some of the censorship that Facebook is uh, carrying out. Now, First, to start off, I would like to go over the latest TGA Vaccine Weekly Safety Report. This is the latest one from the 29th of July. Um, and this talks about the side effects that have been reported in Australia. And it talks about them as if there is nothing to worry about. In the week, now that is seven-day period, from the 19th to the 25th of July, 2021, we processed an additional 2,405 adverse events following immunization reports for COVID-19 vaccines. Now, I want to let you know that the number of reaction reports which the TGA processed, I hate the use of that word processed, 
um, prior to this in an entire year was somewhere around 3,000. So in one week, they're getting close to what they used to get in 12 months, but that is not a cause for concern at all. What they say is large-scale vaccination means that coincidentally, some people will experience a new illness or die shortly after vaccination. There we go once again, vaccination, the world's largest cause of coincidence. And don't worry if you had a reaction or die following the COVID shot. Uh, it just means that it's working the way it's supposed to. I mean, these are the kinds of things that we hear. Um, now, it says since the beginning of the rollout on the 20 to the 25th of July 2021. So we started administering these shots on February 22nd. So between February 22nd and the 25th of July, they're saying 11.2 million doses of COVID-19 vaccines have been given. Now, that's actually a bold faced lie because that's how many vaccines have been distributed. That is not at all how many vaccines have been administered. So um, we need to actually find out how many vaccines, and I hate calling them vaccines because they're not, how many experimental genetic modification shots have actually been put into people's bodies. And the AVN has filed a Freedom of Information request to get exactly that information. So hopefully we will be able to report to you on that shortly. Um, the TGA received and reviewed 407 reports of deaths in people who have recently been vaccinated and found that six were linked to the vaccine. So out of 407, they've only found a link to six. Now, I personally know of several deaths that have never even been reported to the TGA because the system wouldn't accept them. But out of 407, now, it's it's fine. There can be some people who die within a short period of getting the shot. But a lot of these 407 reports are actually in young people who were healthy prior to getting the shot. And the TGA has just decided um, we're not going to say that the shot caused that. So it is. Uh, is it glitching? I'm so sorry, Anne. Um, yeah. Yeah, Leanne, that's exactly how I, how I feel, too. It's working the way it should. It's supposed to. It's supposed to make you sick and kill you. I, I can't help but feel that's true. For myself, I believe that these shots were actually intended to make people sick. And we'll be talking a little bit later on about the, um, the ingredients in the shots that we know about. We don't know all the ingredients, but we're going to talk about the ones that we know about and um, they are in there. They are toxic. They are poisonous substances and they have no therapeutic purpose. So one has to think that if they're in these shots, then these shots are intended to poison. And in fact, they are registered as poisons. A lot of people have been sending me the information from New South Wales and from WA saying that um, the government has been given permission to administer poisons uh, in the form of COVID-19 vaccines. And that's because these shots are poisons. All vaccines are listed as poisons. So if you think that you can administer a poison to a person and make them healthy, I think we need to actually discuss how health is achieved. And it is not achieved through poisons. So, um, 
I just want people to be aware of this. Now, this document will be in the folder that you can download tomorrow, but please make a note of this website address that's here when you download it. And you can go every week. This is updated every week. And every week they count the number of reactions and deaths and they say this is all fine. We're just counting them. Nothing to see here. In the United States, this is... Um, OpenVAERS, openvaers.com. VAERS is the American uh, database that collects adverse reactions and deaths following all vaccinations. OpenVAERS makes those reactions and deaths easier to see. Um, it is the website is openvaers.com, and I recommend going there and again also bookmarking that page. So far in the United States, there have been 11,940 deaths registered after the shots and 518,769 reaction reports through the 23rd of July this year. Now, Harvard Pilgrim did a study on VAERS and they said that these deaths and reactions represent only about 1% of the actual reactions and deaths. So add a couple of zeros here and a couple of zeros there, and you see that we've got a real problem. But nobody is acting as if it's a problem. When we have um, so many deaths and injuries from the shot that I personally can't think of anyone I've spoken with in the last four months who doesn't know of someone who has either died or been permanently injured as a result of a COVID shot, you know that it's a problem and is a real problem. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Um, a lot of people are saying that this is glitching on my end. It's perfect. No, no, it, you won't. You won't be able to click on that link, Natalie, because it's just an image. So you can't click on that. But if you go to the AVN website tomorrow, you will be able to access all of these documents, all of these links. And also um, you'll be able to see tonight's under the wire without the glitches, because on my end, it's perfect. This is just Facebook showing us how much they love us. So I'm I'm so sorry about that. Yeah, Michelle said the TGA have said they investigate every reported death to determine if the jab caused the death. I don't believe that for a second. No, and and for for instance, we don't know what tests could possibly be done to show that the jab had caused the shot, but there have been several autopsies, and keep in mind that the World Health Organization instructed that no autopsies be performed after deaths from COVID or deaths from the COVID shot, but there have been several, one I can think of notably in Italy, where they autopsied a young woman who died following the COVID jab, <clears throat> pardon me, and this woman um, the doctor said that there was spike protein in every organ of her body, including her brain. And that spike protein is one of the things that the jab is supposed to make your body create. So it is, um, you know, absolutely out crazy, crazy. Kevin Payne said, my question is, how many deaths from the trial do the powers that be need before they deem that this expensive experimental jab is dangerous and withdraw it? Well, <clears throat> 
with the um, swine flu shot in 2009, there was one death and they withdrew it. With the um, other swine flu shot in 1976, I think there were 40 deaths and they withdrew it. But now we're counting deaths in the tens of thousands around in different countries and in the hundreds of thousands around the world. And it's not being withdrawn. So the idea that the government is responsible for making sure that these things are safe and effective before they're released has gone right out the window. Um, so this this is just a reminder. This is from the Food and Drug Administration, and this, this was the information that was given out to doctors and hospitals before the shot started to be administered in the United States. And this was the information they got from the um, pre-licensure now. You can't even call it pre-licensure because the shots aren't licensed anywhere before the, the shots were issued to be administered to people. These were the list of um, FDA safety surveillance, the risk, the list of possible adverse event outcomes. And all of these things are what is being reported right now. <clears throat> and look at this, multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. So in other words, inflammation through multiple um, systems of the body could be the, the bones, could be the, the organs, could be the skin, could be anything. They knew about this before the shot was even administered to anyone outside of the trials. And yet now in Australia, uh, children as young as 12 are told that they can take the shot for a disease which they are not at risk of dying from or even being injured from. Um, there is absolutely no duty of care. There is no uh, worry, no concern from the government at all. The only concern seems to be to get this shot into as many arms as possible, as many times as possible. And Israel now, Israel has been having enormous outbreaks. They're calling it the Delta variant. But um, the the Food and Drug Administration and the CDC in the United States have actually said that the PCR test that we've all been using for COVID uh, over the last 18 months plus um, is not really capable of distinguishing between COVID and influenza. So if that's the case, how can they even tell if there is a Delta, uh, Gamma, Lambda, whatever it is, variant? They can't. They can't tell. So in Israel, they are administering a third dose of vaccine. So three doses in less than a year. It is a dream for the pharmaceutical industry and a nightmare for the rest of the people. So it's pretty insane. Now, this is the newspaper, the Daily Expose or Expose, probably Expose, though there's no accent there. Um, this is another one I think you should all be um, sub subscribing to. They do some great investigative journalism. And this is an article that came out on the 20th of July. <clears throat> Pardon me. So just a little over 10 days ago, COVID vaccines are killing people at a 79% higher rate than COVID-19 in the UK, according to statistics. So 
what they have done is this is in Scotland, data released by Public Health Scotland. This is official government data. They probably didn't expect anyone to analyze it. Um, data released by Public Health Scotland proves that COVID-19 vaccines are killing people at a higher rate than the alleged death rates of the COVID-19 virus itself. When you have a supposed preventative that is not only not capable of preventing the illness that it's meant to prevent, and we know that. The government has said that, that they don't yet have proof that if you get the shot, you won't get COVID. And they don't have proof that if you get the shot, you won't be able to spread it to other people. So if that shot is actually killing people at a higher rate than the disease itself, why are we still using it? And in Australia, again, even if we go with that number of six people killed by the shot this year, that is more people than have died in Australia since the 1st of January. So the 1st of January, I think we've had five deaths in Australia. And since the 22nd of February, we've had six deaths that the, T that the TGA has said have been caused by the shot. So we have more deaths from the shot than we have from the disease. And we are locking down the entire country right now. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that the ACT has not been locked down in the last few lockdowns? Why do you think that is? Do you think that the parliamentarians who live and work in the ACT don't want to be inconvenienced? It's a good question. Um, as it is, they've never lost a day's pay since this whole thing started, um, and none of their staff has. And the ACT is probably one of the wealthiest areas of this country. And um, one has to wonder how long that's going to be allowed to continue. Speaking of the ACT, here is our Prime Minister, Scotty from Marketing, showing his human and compassionate side when he's asked about people in Australia dying from the COVID shot. Being your pharmacist as opposed to seeing the GP. And secondly, can you, um, can you talk a, a, about the two people who've sadly died um, taking AstraZeneca? And would you be worried if um, one of those uh, people, as I understand it, um, had, or the family claims, didn't get, uh, wasn't fully informed of the symptoms to look out for? Well, we're all responsible for our own health. And when it comes to informed consent and giving consent to whatever treatment or procedure you may have or I may have, then I'm ultimately responsible for what people do in their health treatment to me. And, uh, and there has been the opportunity uh, for people to visit their GP, to have that consultation. The government has provided that and funded that. And the informed consent process provides the decision to the individual. That's the sort of country we live in. People make their own decisions about their own health and their own bodies. That's why we don't have mandatory vaccination um, in relation to the general population here, because people make their own decisions. And we encourage people to make those decisions. We make as much information available to them as is possible. Um, the vaccines, like any vaccine, with any vaccine, there are, risks, there are risks associated, and I won't go to, into each of the individual ones because I don't want to particularly draw attention to anyone. But we all understand that with any vaccine, there are risk factors and they're enumerated and they're made available to people and people make decisions about that. Okay, that's the kind of country we live in. 
um, you know, people are responsible for their own decisions. We can't tell them what's in the shot. We can't tell them the effectiveness of or the safety of the shot because it's still experimental. We can't tell them what the long-term side effects are because it hasn't been used long enough to actually know that. But, you know, you are responsible if you take this shot and if you die, that's on you. It's not on Scotty for marketing. It's not on the pharmaceutical industry because they've been indemnified. It's not on the doctor and the nurse because they've been indemnified. It is totally and absolutely on you. And if you die and your family are left destitute, that again is totally on you. What a wonderful piece of work this prime minister is. Um, yep, I agree with you, Eduardo. I just cannot believe that this man is our prime minister and shame on Scotty, shame on him. Absolutely. Um, that is the most disgusting piece of, of propaganda and deflection I have seen. And the fact is that when he said that that's why we don't have compulsory vaccination in Australia, well, tell that to all of the healthcare workers who are being told that they have to take this shot or they will lose their job. Tell that to all the other employers, employ, sorry, employees whose employers are telling them that they need to take the shot or lose their job. Tell that to the year 12 students in Sydney who have been told that they need to take this shot, even though that is not true or not come back to school. Um, it is the biggest puddle of lies that you could ever imagine. And I just think that this man deserves to be taken out of office very quickly. Uh, there needs to be a vote of no confidence and his entire government needs to be dissolved. Not saying that labor is any better. Um, we actually have a terribly broken system and the whole thing needs to be replaced. Um, okay, so this this vaccine that Scotty is pushing so strongly, how effective is it really? Um, this is what the marketing from the pharmaceutical company that was never checked by the government is telling you, that uh, Pfizer and Moderna are 95 and 94% effective. Now, by effective, they actually mean at reducing mild symptoms after per a person contracts COVID because it was never tested as effective against death or effective against severe disease. That was never even tested. That was not the endpoint. The only thing they looked at was mild symptoms. So according to the marketing departments of these pharmaceutical companies, Pfizer and Moderna are both 95 and 94% effective. Sounds pretty good. Janssen, which is the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and I believe that we have bought a lot of that and it's going to be coming in very soon. That is 66.6% .6 effective and AstraZeneca that we are using here and it's the most widely available shot in Australia is 66.8% effective according to um, the marketing from the pharmaceutical industry. But what is the truth? The Lancet, which is the oldest and most well-respected um, British, uh, sorry, a medical journal in the world, says that the absolute risk reduction those other numbers, 95% and 66%, they are relative risk. And that really means very little to nothing when you're actually looking at whether a treatment is going to be helping you to survive or not to be incredibly sick. Absolute risk reduction is the figure that we all need to be looking at. And from all four of these shots, 
the one that supposedly reduces the risk, and again, that is not risk of death, um, is Moderna, which is 1.24%. So um, out of every 100 people who are given this experimental jab, a little over one of them will have um, milder symptoms. And for that, how many people are we killing? How many people are we permanently maiming? Um, if if people were told this before they agreed to the jab, do you think they would still get it? I personally don't think they would. And let's look at other countries that are not following the same line as Australia and the United States and most of Europe and the UK. Let's look at Sweden. Sweden from the very beginning did not follow. They did not um, lock down. They never mandated masks. They did not mandate social distancing. They advised the elderly and those with poor immune systems to avoid crowded places, but they left it up to their population in the end to make that decision. They treated the people in Sweden as if they were actually grown-ups with working brains that could make these decisions themselves. And to be honest with you, when I go out and I see in Woolworths or Coles or any place in town that I am the only person in the shop without a mask, I begin to think that maybe, just maybe, there's something that the Swedes have that the Australians don't. And I don't know what it is, but really and truly, um, let's look at this statistic. These are the seven-day averages deaths from COVID. Now, again, remember, deaths from COVID are deaths taken using a PCR test. And I'm sure that Sweden uses the same PCR test um, that the rest of the world uses. So um, a lot of these deaths aren't actually deaths from COVID. But still, we're comparing apples with apples because if they're using the same test, then this would be the same. And there have been zero deaths, zero. And even when um, COVID was supposedly raging through the community, Sweden had very, very few deaths compared with countries that were on strict lockdown, that were um, vaccinating everybody, that were um, social distancing, enforcing masks. Why is that? that uh, we are not looking at Sweden. When we have an increase in cases, why are we pushing so hard for people to be tested when we know the test is complete bunkum? Why are we pushing for them to be tested? The only reason, the only possible reason is because the people in power love being in power and they want to maintain that power. So as long as they can maintain the appearance of an emergency, they can keep on controlling our lives as long as we comply, they can keep on controlling their lives. It's only going to get worse. It's not going to get any better while we allow this. And our financial system is being destroyed. How many small businesses have closed never to open? How many people are living on the dole or worse are really hungry and don't even have the money to pay their rent or to pay their mortgage and have been kicked out? How many Australians are in that position? Our GDP is down like crazy. Let's look at Sweden that never locked down, that never social distanced, that never masked, that never instituted tyranny. Their GDP is up almost 1% in the second quarter. And that was in um, 2021. So just recently, uh, that's more than Reuters had forecast. So 
the outcome with Sweden is fewer deaths. I'm sure their suicide rate is lower than Australia's and their financial system has weathered the storm very well. Australia can't stay the same. It's probably going to be decades before our economy recovers. Um, it's just kind of insane what's happening. Uh, well, Yildiz has asked, how many people have committed suicide? I just read a figure this morning that the suicide rate is up 184 or 186% since the epidemic started. And the vast majority of that, uh, more than 75% of those deaths um, have taken place in children between the ages of 13 and 18. So deaths from despair, deaths from suicide, um, deaths from other causes like malnutrition. I mean, uh, I don't know what's happening in the Philippines, Sally Ann Clark, but I have heard that there are people absolutely starving to death because they are not allowed to go out to work. They're not allowed to go shopping and they are, they are starving to death. So the deaths from the um, the, move, the acts that the governments around the world have taken to sort of control this virus, as if you can ever control a virus, um, have been far more deadly than the virus itself. And that's just insane. Absolutely insane. And even Delta. We are told that Delta is a thousand times more infectious than plain COVID. How do they know? They have no idea. They've never studied it. Uh, but, you know, they'll pull these figures out of thin air and they will um, just say things and people will read it in the media and think, oh, the media said it. So it must be true. It's a lie. It's an absolute lie. So here we have the United States. There have been um, an explosion of cases in the United States because they're testing so many more people. The more people you test, the more people you get a positive result from, especially since the United States is using in unvaccinated people, the United States is using a cycle threshold of 40. In the vaccinated, their cycle threshold is 28. So you are far less likely to get a positive diagnosis of a COVID infection in the U.S. if you're vaccinated. Hey, presto, the vaccine is working. But if you are not vaccinated, you are much more likely to get a positive result. So they're getting heaps and heaps of positive results. We are told that the, and, and this is leading into the Northern Hemisphere's autumn and winter, which is when you would expect they would ramp up the panic and fear. But despite that, um, the deaths from COVID have refused to go up. So there are thousands more cases, but lots less people dying. How inconvenient for the pharmaceutical industry. If you judge the U.S.'s current COVID-19 situation only by the headlines, you'd come away thinking that we're spiraling back into pandemic disasters. Localities like Los Angeles County and St. Louis. Now, those are two of the of the um, counties in the United States that have had the most draconian uh, measures to control people. And yet they are also, along with New York and Minneapolis, um, two of the uh, places where they continue to have high numbers of positive cases. Uh, so we really and truly are seeing a case-demic, not a pandemic, because the deaths, which or the definition of a pandemic is a lot of deaths and a large increase in deaths from an infectious disease. We're just not getting that. And we haven't gotten it from the very beginning. 
Deaths from COVID have never been more than deaths from influenza. And again, in the United States, the CDC said that only about 6% of the people who are said to have died from COVID actually died from COVID. The other 94% had three comorbidities, which was most likely the real cause of their death. So 6% of, I don't know what's 400,000 is 2,400. It's not very much. Um, so it's still less than, um, still less than, uh, um, than influenza. So uh, we are seeing a real case demic. And what would happen again? We've looked at Sweden. What would happen if we look at a country that actually used a different therapy? And that's ivermectin. There are many therapies that have been shown to be effective at preventing serious morbidity and mortality from COVID. Ivermectin is one of them. Hydroxychloroquine is another. Those are the two drug-based therapies. There is vitamin D3, vitamin C, um, quinine, which is basically the natural form of ivermectin. Those things have all been shown many times in studies to be safe and effective treatments, but that information has been suppressed and criminalized, in fact, in some countries. And here we have Mexico. Um, here is all-cause mortality, so deaths from all causes. And you see that, I wish, I think those are the months. So uh, from month 14 in 2020, oh, sorry, 2019, we see an increase in uh, in deaths leading up to a very big increase uh, at the beginning of 2021. And then uh, they began using ivermectin and the deaths have become negative 8% from what they were before. So almost no deaths are occurring that are excess. Now, this is excess. So this is not total deaths. These are excess deaths. They had 180% over their normal death rate back in January, and now they are 8% below what their normal death rate was. So why are we not using ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine in Australia? Why is Craig Kelly being called an idiot and a fool. Why did he have to leave his party in order to be allowed to speak on this subject? Is it possible, I don't know, call me crazy, but is it possible that Parliament from top to bottom is so rotten and corrupt and so beholden to the pharmaceutical industry that it is only the rare person like Craig Kelly, like George Christensen, like um, Pauline Hansen, and like R uh, Malcolm Roberts, who are actually able to speak about these issues. Uh, and the rest of them are either completely ignorant, and that's being kind, or they are completely bought. And either way, they are culpable. They are responsible for the deaths of thousands in Australia, either from COVID from neglect, because most of those elderly in Victoria who were, who were told died from COVID actually died from neglect or from lack of access to real therapies that could have reduced this problem. So I am going to show you a video now. It's only a couple of minutes long from a very articulate woman um, up in Queensland. Her husband uh, got a reaction to the shot 
and I have to wonder what the outcome would be had he been given ivermectin instead of treated medically. So he had the AstraZeneca vaccine on the 15th of June. Um, immediately that night he got sick, he got pain between his shoulder blades, um, was unwell. So he took some ibuprofen, came good, was all right. He went to his seven day shift at the mines and on his last shift he started to get pain between his shoulder blades again down into his right back. Um, he drove home and on the 23rd of June he had um, chest pain. So he called and asked about, he called the vaccine clinic and said, I've got chest pain, is it anything to worry about? They said, don't ring me, ring your GP. So he rang his GP. Um, they said, don't ring me, call an ambulance. So he called an ambulance, he was brought up to the hospital. Uh, was in all day on the Wednesday, the 23rd of June. Um, chest pain, shortness of breath, fevers, just generally unwell. They couldn't find anything wrong with him, so they sent him home. Um, that night he was restless and in pain. He woke me up five o'clock on the Thursday morning, couldn't move his arms, he had severe pain in his arms. Um, we decided to come back up to the hospital and he's been in hospital since. So today is day 29 of him being in hospital. Brisbane, yeah, we have. He's been in ICU um, here and then he got sent to Brisbane because he deteriorated. We all got told to come and say goodbye, get his family and friends in to say goodbye before he got transported to Brisbane. Um, he was in Brisbane for two weeks. They said they weren't going to diagnose anymore. Um, talking about moving him onto the wards down there, and we said, well, if he's going to ward, can you bring him back to Rocky so we're not paying accommodation and everything? Um, he got shifted back up to Rocky on Sunday, and they were still talking about sending him to ward. And on Tuesday night, he crashed again and had to be sedated and ventilated. Okay, there's a lot more of that video. And again, for those of you who joined late, tomorrow afternoon between 4 and 5, this video will be up online on the AVN website. That's avn.org.au. And all of the videos that I'm showing you tonight will be in a folder along with all of the information and a file of links that you can use to check out everything that I've shown you tonight. That's one thing I do want to let you know. While the government is saying, just trust us and don't listen to anything else. I mean, Jacinda Ardern actually said that herself, which I could not believe when she said it. We say, don't trust us. Don't believe anything that we say to you. We don't say anything without having the information to back it up. And we are happy to provide you that information. That's the difference between the AVN and the government. We also will never tell you what to do. We have no um, stake in what you end up doing. The only thing that we care about is that you are able to make free and informed choices when it comes to your health and the health of your children. So um, that woman's story uh, and her husband's condition, he is in an induced coma um, on a ventilator. Now we know that most people who go into induced comas on ventilators don't come out. And I hope to God that this young man, and he's a young man, he's 52, um, that he will recover fully from this. But if he does, it's not due to the help of the medical community because it's the medical community who caused this in the first place. They're the ones who gave him this AstraZeneca shot. And they're the ones who try to ignore the condition that he developed afterwards. So um, when 
any if anybody here is listening who has had the shot, whether it's AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Moderna, or Janssen, and you have a problem afterwards, don't be put off. Get the help that you need. And the help that you need may not come from a medical doctor. There are very good therapies um, in the natural health um, arena as well. So that is not the only answer. Medicine is not the only answer. Doctors and drugs and surgery are not the only answer. There are many answers to these problems. Now, um, remember back, hark back to Scotty from Marketing, um, who we saw on that video a little bit earlier. This is a letter that went out last week. Um, Gladys Berejiklian, uh, our premier in New South Wales, said that she was going to be kind enough in her one-month lockdown of the entire um, greater Sydney area, which takes into account part of the central coast down to Wollongong and west, um, uh, you know, a huge area uh, for very few deaths. Uh, she's locking everything down, but she will be kind enough to let senior students, year 12, go back to school in two weeks so that they can maybe start to prepare for their HSC. I don't know. Um, and what she said is that the only way they will be allowed back into school is if they get the COVID shot. Now, no jab, no pay. When the AVN tried to take legal action against the government when they brought in no jab, no pay, we were told at that time that because the government hadn't actually made the shot compulsory, um, the we couldn't really take action against them. Uh, and they they never actually said that you had to take the shot. They said that if you want to get government entitlements, that uh, you had to take the shot in order for those entitlements, but it was your choice. You could choose not to get the money, or you could choose to take the shot and get the money, and for some reason, that's different. But they told us that if the government ever said they were going to make vaccination compulsory for school, that would be another story because the Constitution actually mandates education. It does not mandate vaccination. And if you make education um, uh, contingent upon getting a shot, that is unconstitutional. So yes, Shari, Shari you're right. The school actually retracted that. Um, and sorry, I clicked on the wrong comment there. Uh, the next slide shows something from the mayor of Fairfield, Frank Carbone. I have received a lot of requests for information. Oh, sorry, I didn't read that letter on the following slide. The letter was basically saying, here, I'll go back there, hang on. Uh, the letter was saying that we will be in contact with more details regarding the vaccinations of year 12 and year 11 accelerated students with Pfizer and rapid antigen testing as suggested, suggested by the Premier. Now, the Premier didn't suggest this. She actually said that they wouldn't be allowed back in school unless they took the shots. Um, and this is the Mayor of Fairfield. I have received a lot of requests for information regarding the New South Wales government on announcement on the vaccination of year 12 students in our local government area with concerns raised if it will be compulsory for students returning to the classrooms. We have contacted New South Wales Health 
to provide clarity, and we have just been informed that it will not be compulsory for any Year 12 student to get vaccinated to attend school. The choice is yours. If anyone is told differently, please let me know. I hope this clears this matter up. So once again, it is a sign of Gladys in this case, but all the politicians do this, making policy on the fly without even checking it. When it comes to shots, they feel they can do anything and people will take it. And it is time for us to stop taking it because they are absolutely not um, doing things legally. That is an illegal action that Gladys Berejiklian suggested. And I've never seen her come out and say, whoops, I made a mistake. Uh, Instead, we have these things because I believe that they want to keep that impression in people's minds. A lot of people would have heard her say that their children would not be allowed back in school without getting this shot. Very few people would have read um, the information showing that the shot is not actually mandatory. So it's up to us to share this information. Those of us who know need to let other people know. Oh, thank you, Zoe. I appreciate that. (laughs) So, um, And this is the media release from New South Wales Health about the stay-at-home order. Now, with my old eyes, I'm going to make this slightly bigger so I can actually see what it says. There we go. Put on my granny glasses. Um, This is a public health alert stay-at-home order. Um, Anyone in New South Wales who has been in any of the 11 affected local government areas in Queensland since Wednesday the 21st of July must from 6 p.m. today Saturday 31st of July so they released this like a couple of hours before it went into effect Um, must stay at home and only leave their residence with a reasonable excuse I mean we're in we're in school now aren't we Um, But, Mom, I thought it was the right thing to do. Uh, But, Gladys, I thought it was the right thing to do. But, Anastasia, I I really didn't think I was doing anything wrong. Why do we have to ask these governments, corrupt, in my opinion, bought individuals who we never elected to do this, and, and they're taking advice from the highest paid bureaucrats in Australia, the unelected, Uh, chief health officers of each state who are just mad with power right now, they are making these decisions that affect the lives and the livelihoods of all Australians in their states, and they are not basing these decisions on science, on common sense, on good governance, on anything except their need for constant power. That's all there is. As far as I'm concerned, that's it. These are power-mad decisions. And honestly, um, I, I just believe that people are going to have to reach a point where they're not going to comply. Uh, we need massive civil disobedience. Um, and here, how do you like this? This is on Nine News. First, we had uh, the chief health officer in New South Wales, Kerry Chant, telling us that we shouldn't have conversations with anyone, in uh, even if we know them, even if we're both vaccinated and both wearing masks, because conversations spread COVID. And here we've got a genius on uh, Channel Nine 
parents need to keep distance from their children. Think about that. Don't pick up that baby. Don't give your little one a hug. Don't give your baby a kiss. Don't don't even get near them or talk to them when they come home from school. Just lock them in their rooms. It's all good. What the heck? What have we become? And you know what? There are going to be people watching that who are going to do it. Because in Canada recently, about six months ago, they had something saying that parents, this was when everybody was locked down, they said parents should avoid being near their children. And I was reading things on Twitter and on Facebook from parents who were putting together trays of food their children were locked in their bedrooms and they would just put the tray of food down on the floor. One of the women said, I find it so hard to listen to my son crying in his room, but I'm doing it because I'm so afraid I'm going to get sick if I'm near him. And I'm thinking that is child abuse. Not keeping a distance from your children is child abuse. And anyone who listens to that is a child abuser. They may not think so, but I think they are. Uh, and yes, Lynn, the suicide rate will escalate from where it already is, which is incredibly high. And it's just going to get higher and higher and higher. Um, and we have in Australia some of the strongest censorship. Um, and we have for years. Uh, the censorship in Australia has been ridiculous because we don't have a bill or a statement of rights because freedom of speech is not guaranteed in our constitution. Freedom of political speech is. Um, it's guaranteed by high court decisions. But um, even freedom of political speech, the government is not abiding by. And Sky News Australia has just been suspended from YouTube. I have trouble feeling bad for them, even though I really like Alan Jones and Rowan Dean and the people who are out there telling the truth about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, because Sky News is owned by Rupert Murdoch, and I think that anything that discomfits Rupert Murdoch makes me feel very comfortable. So, um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and uh, there are very few things that the government considers to be essential. Uh, bottle shops and brothels are two of those things that are essential. So when, when, when they say that you can't leave your house for certain reasons, uh, you know, go ahead and get drunk and uh, buy some sex from someone. But uh, don't go out and uh, meet your friends. Don't have more than one person in your home. Um, I don't have the suicide figures. Uh, it's one of the things that I need to look up. My husband asked me the same thing, and I don't have them. So uh, it's just kind of crazy. Now, <clears throat> those of you, there are many people who think and have thought from the very beginning, and I'm one of them from the very beginning, that this can't continue for much longer because everything is falling apart. All you have to do is look around you. Um, I go into Ballina and half the shop fronts are empty. The, the people have just left. Uh, you go into places like Lismore, which were fairly depressed before, and now they're like ghost towns. Uh, the businesses are gone. So um, I have always thought this thing has to come to some sort of resolution sooner rather than later. I don't believe that anymore. I think that if tomorrow, tomorrow, Every single doctor and nurse walked out on strike. Every single employee who was being told that they had to take the shot or lose their job walked out on strike. Um, if if we actually stopped paying our rates and our taxes because we're not getting the services that we're paying for, uh, within a week, 
this would be over if the politicians had to go on had to you know go on without their pay for a week this whole thing would be over but um we really and truly are going from bad to worse and it's because of compliance more than anything else because we're afraid to take action and afraid to stand up now this next clip I'm going to play you is from the United States. It's CNN, Don Lemon, and Chris Cuomo. It's a very short clip, and I'd like you to listen to this and think about what it means to you. Don't get the vaccine, you can't go to the supermarket. Don't have the vaccine, you don't show it, can't go to the ball game. Don't have the vaccine, can't go to work. You don't have the vaccine, can't come here. No shirt, no shoes, no service. That's what I think we should be right now. Because we continue to waste our breath on people who are just not going to change. They're, you know, the circular logic. They just keep going back and saying, well, it's my freedom. It's whatever. I'm free. It's my freedom. It's whatever. It's the vibe. Um, and, and when he talks about circular logic, it reminded me of this circle of tyranny. And this is an historical um, thing that happens and has happened time and time again. You start with liberty. You start with people having freedom and having pretty good lives. Then they become complacent. You know, things are good. It's all right. Things may get a little uncomfortable here or there, but they're for the most part, they're pretty good. And then you have dependence, where people become dependent on others, whether it's the government or it's their employer Oh, they, you know, they can't imagine ever not working for this company. They can't imagine ever not having this particular job. Um, and then from dependence, once you're dependent and you're not capable any longer of actually taking responsibility for your own self, for your own family, then you get tyranny. And once you have tyranny, that leads to revolution. And once you have revolution, you go back to liberty. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. And there are countries around the world that are currently very close to revolution. And I will talk to you about that a little bit later on. So when Chris Cuomo says, no shirt, no service, no vaccine, no job, no vaccine, no, no shopping for groceries, no vaccine, no nothing, but we want our freedom, you know, as if that's a terrible thing to say, we want our freedom. Um, he, where do you think on this circle of tyranny, Chris Cuomo and uh, Don Lemon, or as, as Tucker Carlson likes to call him, Don Lemon, um, sit? Well, he, they're right on tyranny. And I think that they can't even see it either that or they're simply paid to sit there and not see it. Um, yes, that's true, Neo. It's not always liberty, depending on who takes power. But I think that the, um, the, the real state of humanity, the natural state of humanity is freedom. And it is always something that we have to fight for, but it is a way that we expect to be living. And um, I mean, North Korea, it's amazing. Um, I was watching a show that took place in North Korea and I was thinking how terrible the people's lives were. And then halfway through it, I realized, you know, there's not a whole lot of difference between the way the people in North Korea were living and the way we're living. We have enough food to eat. That was the only difference. And I don't know how much longer that's going to be either. So yeah, we are very close to that tyranny. I think we're actually over it. 
we're over the tyranny and heading towards revolution if the government doesn't stop what they're doing. You can only suppress people for so long. And uh, it's been a lot longer than we expected. Now, I want to take a break for a second and talk about, um, I did an emergency, uh, an urgent and I don't want to call it an emergency, an urgent broadcast a few days ago um, because we'd been given some information about plans that the government had to use the information on the Australian Immunization Register in order to share that information with the state governments so that the state governments could then institute vaccine passes. The federal government can't do that. Only the states can do that. And um, I put out the information that was given to me by a whistleblower. Um, and there was something even worse than vaccine passports. And that is people going door to door to see if you have received the shot. Since that time, um, I have received and the AVN has received, first of all, an awful lot of questions about how to fill in the form. We can't tell you how to fill in the form. It is up to you to make that decision. Uh, you're not dependent. You are all independent, responsible adults, and we can't be responsible for how you fill in the form. So if you don't know how to fill it in properly, feel free to contact the AIR. Their phone number is on the form and ask them. Um, but also, there are a lot of people who said that they felt that that form was a trap and that they didn't feel that they should be filling it in because if they filled it in, it would let the government know that they don't vaccinate. Um, and the fact that they haven't taken a shot since the AIR came in in 2016 makes them think that somehow that means the government isn't going to know that they don't vaccinate. And the fact is that with everybody taking COVID shots as adults, the government will know whether you take the shot or not. There is nothing that you're going to be able to do to stop them from knowing it, because if your name is not on the register with AstraZeneca or Pfizer next to it, they know that you didn't take the shot. All that this opt-out will do is tell the government that you do not give them permission to share that information with the state governments. And it is the state governments that are going to be bringing in the vaccine passports, and it is the state governments that is going to be sending the police and the army door-to-door -to, -door to actually knock on your door and find out if you've had your shot, knock on your door and find out if you're there during lockdown. Um, so you may not want to do that, and that's fine. That's not a problem. Um, and I don't want people contacting me, and I don't want people contacting the AVN and saying uh, you're trying to trap us. We're not trying to trap anyone. We are trying to share information. What you do with that information is up to you, totally up to you. I don't have any stake in it. Fill it in, send it in, or don't send it in. It doesn't matter. I have just shared the information with you. The AVN has not advised anyone to do anything or not to do anything. So please take that in the spirit in which it's been offered. It is information for you to use or not to use as you see fit. Now, there is something else that I want to share with you. Um, this is a on the AVN website, if you go to the website avn.org.au and you um, you scroll down to the bottom of the page on the home page, you'll see a field that says search. Put in the word flyer 
and you will come to a page that is full of printable flyers and we are asking people to print these out and give them out. This one, this flyer, is um, something that people are putting on their doors and this is hopefully to let people know that unless the person knocking on your door is a biosecurity control officer, they have no right to be on your premises to ask you anything about whether you're sick, whether you've had the jab, or whether you've done anything. Only an authorized biosecurity control officer can do that. And if they are not authorized biosecurity control officers, they need to leave. So again, we're offering this to people. If you want to put it up, that's fine. If you don't want to put it up, that's fine. Not a problem. And people are asking about Section 8 of the um, AIR form. I've read it. To me, it doesn't say what a lot of people think it says. It's just saying that they will not share it with any third party without your permission. But a lot of people are saying they think it means something else. You need to contact the AIR and ask them for an explanation of that. I'm sorry. Um, so I want to talk to you about the evil um, that is happening around the world right now. This is from the United Kingdom. Now, the UK had an incredible number of old, old people, elderly people dying in the early months of the scandemic. And Victoria also, had, I think, out of, out of the 900 and whatever it is, 915 deaths in Australia, it's not the right number, but it's something close to that, since the beginning, about 825 of them have been in Victoria, maybe more. So, and most of those, the vast majority of those people who died in Victoria died in care homes. Um, so it's interesting that that happened, and most people don't really put two and two together. And I didn't put two and two together either until I started reading about a drug that's been used by the NHS, the National Health System or Service in the UK called midazolam. And again, I will have links to these articles. Um, the NHS in England is renowned. I knew about this probably 10 years ago for having death squads in hospitals. And I think that's actually what they call them. These are groups of doctors who decide whether you live or die. And they decide because they say that, uh, you know, there's only so much health care to go around and they don't want to waste expensive drugs and good treatment on people who are never going to make it. Or even if they make it, they're not going to their lives are not going to be worth living. So um, they have these death squads. And for a long time, they have been making these decisions. With COVID, it appears that they were using a drug called midazolam. Now, this article is from the Daily Telegraph. This is not a an, an alternative newspaper. This is the Daily Telegraph. And um, they are talking about plans that predate COVID, um, that should there be a pandemic, um, those over 70 uh, would be offered support for end-of-life pathways rather than treatment. Now, I'm seven years away from 70, and God willing, when I get there, I won't be too different from what I am right now. And I can tell you that I'm not ready to go. 
<laughs> I am absolutely not ready to go. But when I'm ready to go, I will make that decision, not a hospital. <clears throat> Pardon me. So um, what they have been doing, it suggests that in a severe flu pandemic, the health secretary, health secretary could authorize medics to prioritize some patients over others and even stop providing critical care altogether. So in other words, leave people to die in the most shocking and disgusting conditions. Um, the Telegraph disclosed earlier this year that care homes were asked by NHS managers and GPs to place do not resuscitate orders on all residents at the height of the pandemic to keep hospital beds free. Now, many people have seen the videos from um, NHS hospitals in the UK. Every, I don't know what it was, every Thursday afternoon, people came out and clapped the NHS and thanked them for doing such hard work. Those hospitals were empty and they have been empty almost since the beginning of the scandemic. So what were they actually trying to do? Same thing they did in New York, same thing they did in California, and perhaps the same thing they did in Victoria. And that is get rid of useless feeders useless mouths, um, people who they felt were too old to be useful to society. Den Dominic Cunning Cummings, sorry, Dominic Cummings, Boris Johnson's former chief advisor, has said that it was a lie that everyone received care and that, in fact, many people were left to die in hor horrific circumstances. And I think most of us have heard the stories of uh, people lying in their own feces and their own urine in care beds in Victoria because the staff were too afraid to go in and change them or take care of them. People who starved to death and died from dehydration because they didn't get water or food because the staff was too afraid to go in and take care of them. Um, this situation has brought out the evil in many people, and it is also through fear brought out lack of caring in many others. And when we're told not to not to be near our children, not to talk to our children, not to talk to our friends and neighbors, that is only exacerbating the situation that has happened now. We cannot stop caring about each other. It is the way out of this whole situation is by caring about each other, by making sure that we care about others. Uh, again, back to the Daily Exposé, and this is some a newspaper. It's a free subscription, but they are asking for donations because they've been banned off of just about every social media platform. Um, and uh, this is, we need to talk about midazolam. Midazolam is one of the drugs that the United States uses when they, um, when someone's on death row and they then kill them through lethal injection. Midazolam is the drug that is used most often, and that is the drug that is being used to kill the elderly in the UK and perhaps in other places as well. Um, midazolam is a commonly used drug in palliative care, like morphine, um, and is considered one of the four essential drugs needed for the promotion of quality care in dying patients in the United Kingdom. Think of it as diazepam on steroids. Um, and I think, and I don't, I, I've seen this here and I'm not exactly sure, but during the scandemic, the, the number of doses of midazolam that the government ordered and administered went up something like 5,000%. I can't find it here right now. Um, again, this article will be in the, um, 
the folder that you can download tomorrow afternoon. So um, they are, it's one thing to use this drug for palliative care for someone who is in their last days and in terrible pain and wants to go. It is another thing altogether to just get rid of inconvenient elderly people um, because they're costing the government money and using a scamdemic as an excuse. And you have to wonder how these doctors go home and look at their children, look at their wives, look at themselves in the mirror after doing that during the day. But this is not something new in the UK. As I said, this has been going on for a long time. This is an article from June 2012, Top Doctors Chilling Claim, the NHF Kill NHS, sorry, kills off 130,000 elderly patients every year. This is a you know well-respected doctor, Professor Patrick Policino. Sorry, I'm probably not pronouncing that right. Um, and that they are using this controversial death pathway into the into an equivalent of euthanasia. Now we're told in Australia, and they're told in the UK too, that you're not allowed to to decide when you're going to die. You're not allowed to make that choice. It's actually illegal. It's a crime. But when a doctor makes that choice for you, that's okay. Um, and this is the really shocking thing to me. There are around 450,000 deaths in Britain every year of people who are in hospital or under NHS care. Around 29% 130,000 are of patients who were on the LCP. Oh, I can't read it because everything's covering it. Um, that's basically the 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 pathway, uh, the lifetime care pathway. Uh, so he believes that 130,000 out of 450,000 people were essentially murdered by the hospitals and nobody's gone to jail. Nobody's faced any consequences as a result of doing this. We are allowing the same people who are killing, killing our elderly people to tell us what we need to do to stay healthy. There's something wrong with that picture. And we have a situation in Australia right now where in Sydney, especially, the military has been called in to take charge of what people can and can't do. What the fuck? <laughs> fuck that. Sorry, I should have said language warning before I played that clip. This is a guy out in a paddock in a field in Sydney, and there are military helicopters overhead saying, stay where you are, the police are on their way to give you a fine. How do you like that? Are we in North Korea? I think we are. I really think we are. Um, but remember what I said, we go from tyranny to revolution. Look what's happening in France. Woo! <laughs> 
those of you who couldn't see, that was a photograph of uh, President Macron that they were uh, tearing up and putting out the window. There have been marches in Paris um, and in every city of France, every major city. There was a map put out last weekend. Um, oh, sorry. No, it was during the week of where the marches were planned on Saturday um, this weekend. And if you looked at the map of France, it was almost the entire country was marches. And they are, even in some of the smaller towns, they're getting tens of thousands of people out on the streets. Um, they are looking at an, a second French Revolution. In fact, in a few of the um, rally areas, they carried guillotines with them. So um, it reminiscent of the French Revolution in the 1700s. And I am not saying that there should be violence, but I think the government is being incredibly violent towards the people. They have said that people who don't take the shot will be arrested. And, uh, you know, France is not going to put up with that. The French people are not going to put up with that. And I'll just show you this. This is an aerial view. I was there last weekend. This is Brisbane. The media said there were 3,000 people there. <laughs> I want you to take a look at how big that crowd is and how long it is. That's one, two, three, at least three city blocks and then all the way around the corner. Um, it is wall-to-wall -wall people. It was one of the most empowering, uh, inspiring days of my life. And I think for those of you who have not yet made the time to go to one of these rallies for freedom, don't miss it next time. There's going to be another one in in September, I believe. I'm not sure of the exact date, but there's going to be one in September. So please make sure that you go uh, support these rallies. Now, here's a, a short clip of Melbourne, which also, Melbourne was on total lockdown, uh, just like Sydney was. Sorry, I've said this is Melbourne. This is actually Sydney. Sydney was on lockdown. And here's what happened in Sydney last weekend. that crowd. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing. And the police stayed away until the very end. From what I understand, there were arrests, but we're not sure if those people who were arrested were actually um, doing the wrong thing or not. Uh, I believe that there may have been some agent provocateur in the crowd, but I don't know. I wasn't there. And in countries around the world, there are actually governments being overthrown over this. Tunisia, um, the government has collapsed um, because of the protests that were carried out by people against the COVID-19, so um, against COVID-19 vaccination. So, um, you know, it, it does go to show you that if there is enough support for protests, the people can actually do an awful lot. Um, but sad news, um, Haiti, which is one of the few countries, there were four African countries and Haiti um, that did not want to use the shots, the experimental COVID shots. And um, there are four presidents, all young, I think the oldest was 62 or 63 in Africa, who died unexpectedly. Um, and, and people who were pro the shot were put in their place. 
and Haiti, uh, the young president of Haiti, was assassinated on July 7th. He had 48 deaths per million from COVID in the country versus the U.S.'s 1,888 deaths per million. Now, you have to realize that Haiti is the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere, and they don't have good living conditions, and they're still recovering from a terrible hurricane about 10 years ago. But um, they only had 0.1% vaccinated versus the U.S.'s 49% vaccinated. After he was assassinated, another president was put in his place, and they've ordered 500,000 doses of the shots on July 15th. So is there a connection between the deaths of these people and the fact that they didn't want to get their citizens this experimental jab? I don't know, but it is a question in the back of my mind and in the questions in the back of a lot of people's minds. Um, so there's one other, well, actually two other issues. They're related that I want to cover quickly because we are really running out of time here. Um, one of them is something that not many people are aware of. Um, and that is that the gene technology regulator has received an application to um, have a genetically modified human adenovirus that uh, vaccine for COVID that is aerosol that they can use as a spray. Now, this again, this document will be in the folder if you want to read the whole thing tomorrow. This is summary of the risk assessment and risk management plan. This has been um, there, an application has been filed. And they want to conduct a clinical trial, and my understanding is they already have started conducting this, on a 1,000 people in Australia using a GMO COVID-19 vaccine that is aerosolized. Um, and what that basically means is it can be sprayed in the air and you breathe it in. And it's, it's enough, it's bad enough to worry about people who've gotten the experimental jab shedding spike protein and God knows what else on people around them. But here, how do you protect yourself against something that is sprayed in the air? Um, we have to actually, and I haven't seen yet, and I will get information on it, uh, how we can oppose this, how we can actually contact the regulator and um, tell them that we don't want this. We should not be subject to something that we have no control over. We really shouldn't. And But the government has done this before. They have released genetically modified mosquitoes in Townsville, in Cairns, um, I think in Darwin, uh, to uh, reduce the risk of malaria and oh, I don't know if it was leptospirosis. They've had a few different diseases that they've um, that they've released there. They should not be allowed to do this. And once I find out, I hope that everybody will start taking action. We need to stop this. But never fear. The World Health Organization says that genetic manipulation, like the manipulation in the COVID shots, which are genetically modified, Moderna and Pfizer genetically um, modified, uh, and they can genetically modify us, despite what um, Ms. Professor Skerritt says from the TGA, he's wrong. Um, the World Health Organization recommends gene manipulation and gene editing of humans to promote public health. Uh, doesn't that make you feel warm and fuzzy? 
Uh, those who warned that coronavirus vaccinations were the first step towards the genetic manipulation of the humans, and that's not the first step. We've been genetically manipulating humans for decades through GMO foods and through other drugs that are genetically modified, things like the hepatitis B vaccine and the Gardasil shot. Um, faced harsh attacks from quality media, politicians, and activists who denied this and ridiculed the corresponding fear. But all that is now moot. On 12th July 2021, The Who let the cat out of the bag and published recommendations available to everyone on The Who website on the genetic manipulation of humans to promote public health. It's for the greater good, people. It is. It's for the greater good. So these are things that we really have to be concerned about. And those of you who saw my interview with Dr. Jane Ruby a few weeks ago would have heard a bit about graphene oxide, uh, which is a toxin, a terribly toxic substance um, found in at least the AstraZeneca and Pfizer vaccine, possibly in other vaccines. This is an article from April 2014 talking about how this wonder material, graphene, which had only just been um, found, I, I don't think it's naturally occurring, but I'm not sure, um, had only just been found, could actually be very harmful to humans. And at that point, they were mainly talking about unintentional inhaling of graphene oxide. Keep in mind, graphene oxide has been found in the test swabs that are used for the PCR test that go right up your nose. So it's not supposed to be inhaled. It's in there and also in many of the masks that people are wearing. If you feel that you have to wear a mask, make one yourself out of cloth or get someone who knows how to sew to make one out of cloth. Do not wear those disposable masks. Um, which are bad for the environment. But this person had, uh, this, this article talks about graphene oxide and accidental inhaling. That G, that, that thing that's kind of shaped like, I knew what it was shaped like before, but I don't know. It looked like one of the states of Australia, Victoria. I think it's like Victoria. Um, this, it is very sharp Um and it is actually poking through, penetrating the cell membrane, and it can also penetrate your blood vessels, leading to, what do they call that? Leakage. Isn't that one of the side effects being reported to the COVID shot? You think there's a connection there? So uh, we want to understand how they interact with cells once inside the body. This article is frightening, and it's from 2014. Now, graphene oxide is not listed on the package insert for any of the vaccines. And most of the package inserts are completely blank, the ones in the United States, and there is no real package insert in Australia. But um, even on the information that the governments are being are, are giving out, graphene oxide is not listed as an ingredient. But um, there was an excellent, excellent um, interview, and I've Stu, I forget his last name. I feel terrible. Sorry. Um, he did an interview with a scientist who worked in pharmaceutical industry and still does, and she found the patent for a Chinese. Um, uh, ingredients in the vaccine and it's graphene oxide. So it is in the vaccine. It is intentionally in the vaccine. And there is absolutely no therapeutic purpose that anyone has been able to come up with for why it's in the vaccine. Um, so 
Graphene oxide is something, if you didn't watch the interview I did with Dr. Jane Ruby, please find it on our website, avn.org.au. Stu Peters, thank you so much. Oh, my God, I keep forgetting his last name. It's terrible. Stu Peters, he's been doing some great interviews. Um, he's interviewed Dr. Jane Ruby a few times. He's interviewed this other doctor. Uh, fantastic interviews. And the entire interview will be in the folder when you download it tomorrow. So um, I really think that we all need to put pressure on the government. We have filed an FOI with the government to ask them if graphene oxide is in any of the um, the currently licensed, well, the currently authorized, they're not licensed, COVID shots that we're using. We will let you know as soon as we have the answer to that question, uh, though I wouldn't believe them if they say no. Uh, now, we've all been called ignorant. We've all been called selfish. We've been called anti-vaxxers. Um, here is a study from MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in the United States, one of the two top science universities in the country, MIT and Stanford, are the uh, top universities. If you've got a degree from one of them, you really have it made. Um, they did a study on people who are hesitant about vaccination, and lo and behold, they found that rather than us being ignorant, selfish, stupid, um, as government and media here want to call us, we are highly informed, scientifically literate, and sophisticated. <laughs> I mean, I could have told you that, and there have been studies done in Australia that, that say very much the same thing going back decades. Um, uh, there's a study by Pilgrim in Australia that says that the average person who chooses not to vaccinate is older, from a higher socioeconomic status, more highly educated, and better read. So uh, it is not us who are ignorant. It is the people who are making decisions simply because they read about it in the media or their doctor tells them to do it that actually are making decisions without the information. So I want you all to give yourselves a big pat on the back if you have looked at this issue and made a decision based on science rather than making a decision based on superstition, uh, fear, or a religious belief in vaccination. Um, now, I'm almost done. They said it couldn't happen. But before I finish, I just want to let you know um, there is a lawsuit going on. Um, it was just filed. And uh, this is a lawsuit. Let me just see if I can bear with me one second. I just want to go to this browser. And sorry, I should have set this up beforehand. Uh, here we go. So this is a lawsuit that's been filed in South Australia. It's an appeal against an earlier decision. And basically the lawsuit is to expand the uh, available exemptions to that are available to parents. Right now, the only exemption is from uh, an anaphylactic reaction. And even then it's not easy to get one. And most medical practitioners who write exemptions are threatened with loss of their license. So this lawsuit has been filed in the court in South Australia. And I am just going to, this link will be in the file that you get tomorrow. But if you go to evidencebasedscience.net, you can find it. They need to raise $36,000. And so far, they've gotten 22, I think, I can't, yep, 22,000. And 
Um, so there's not that far to go. If you guys can help with $5, $10 or more, that would be really, really helpful. So basically, we need to expand the medical exemption so that people whose children have suffered as a result of vaccination have an option, have a way to not be harmed further. And I think everybody should get behind this action. Um, it is not guaranteed to win, but there has been a legal opinion given that there is a chance and even a chance. We need to take it. So if you guys can go to this website, evidencebasedscience.net. And again, the link will be there tomorrow, but please write it down now and give $5 or $10 or whatever you can afford to help get this over the line. They need to raise another $14,000 um, pretty well by tomorrow. So uh, in order to pay their lawyers, it's evidence-based medicine, sorry, evidence-based science. You should be able to see it at the top of the page on the screen, evidencebasedscience.net. And then when you're there, just click on the link at the top of the page that says, I can't read it because I have too many things on top of it, that says legal action. And that will give you all the information about the medical exemption challenge. Um, this is one of several legal actions that are going to be taking place uh, in the coming weeks and months. And it is... It is one of, the, yes, you know what? You're right, Richard. Sorry, Richard said it could be like the new asbestos. I think he's referring to the um, graphene oxide. And I think he's right, Richard. You are very right. Uh, only asbestos only affected those who were exposed to it, where the graphene oxide, if enough people take this shot, it could be everyone who's exposed to it. So it's quite scary. Thank you, Kobe, for sharing the link. Kobe Heike just shared the link to the website, evidencebasedscience.net. So um, is Clive Palmer suing? I really hope so. I hadn't heard that. I knew he was thinking about suing Greg Hunt, but, um, but I didn't know that he was suing ScoMo. If anybody can send me some information on that, I'll sleep well tonight after reading it. <laughs> um, so... It's uh, it's one of those things that I really think um, we need to show the government that we're serious about holding them accountable. And there are going to be lots of legal actions coming out in the near future. And there are what I think we need to do is keep the government off kilter like they're trying to keep us off kilter with the constant lockdowns, not lockdown, lockdown, not lockdown, changing of rules, new rules. They are always making us feel as if we don't have any security. Well, let's make them feel pretty insecure. Let's show them that there will be rallies with tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people marching for freedom. Let's put them in court and make them actually have to defend themselves. Hey, what an idea, the government defending itself when it does things that it shouldn't. And let's actually make sure that we unite and stay strong and support each other. Um, I have been speaking with so many people in the last probably two weeks more than anything who are waking up every day feeling sad and depressed. And I know how that feels. I really do. Um, but I want to tell you that there is hope and we are God willing. Things may get a little bit worse before they get better, but they are going to get better. 
and they will get better quickly if more of us speak out, if more of us stand united, if more of us join in these protests and rallies, write letters to the editors, start sharing flyers, become part of the solution. There is so much happiness and satisfaction in being part of the solution to this problem. The government the medical community, and the international um, cartel of pharmaceutical companies are the problem. We are the solution. So let's start acting like it, okay? Don't give up. Don't give up hope because hope is there, and together we can actually see this issue through. Don't ever give up, okay? And if you ever feel like giving up, reach out for help. There is help available out there. I know that suicide and all sorts of problems, health problems, are you know rife right now because people are seeing their incomes and their families destroyed. Um, we need to make sure, we need to hold tight to the fact that there is a light at the end of that tunnel and we're getting closer to it. So don't ever give up, okay? All right, folks. Um, yeah, Giotti is asking, where are the lawyers in Australia taking the violations to Nuremberg? Um, I don't know. I'm starting to give up hope for the lawyers um, without them being affected first. And if it means that their families have to be affected before they stand up, well, that's only a matter of days or weeks away, depending on where they are. So uh, hopefully they will come out of the woodwork and start doing the right thing. Oh, Steph. Steph is the loveliest person. Those of you who don't know Steph, you really are missing out. Um, Steph says, I am always here if anyone needs an ear. And she's not just saying that. She means it. So, um, yes, yeah, Steph, you are a beautiful, beautiful soul. So, um, Dee Dee says, how do you get on about not wearing a mask? I have not worn a mask. Now, I don't know if you're in Australia, Dee Dee. I have not worn a mask since the very beginning. And as long as you have an exemption, and they don't spell out every exemption, but as long as you have an exemption, you don't need to have a medical exemption. You just need to have a reason why you cannot wear a mask. And I have a reason why I cannot wear a mask, just as the vast majority of people have a reason why they cannot wear a mask. All you need to do is say you are exempt. And again, on the AVN website, I'm pretty sure it's on the flyer page, there is a printable... Um, it's it's a it's a little I don't know what size it is not DL but uh, it's a small printable thing that you can wear on a lanyard to when you go out give you that confidence so that if someone says why aren't you wearing a mask you just say I'm exempt and point to your badge um, and you can also print it out as a card size and carry it in your wallet and that's the thing we need to carry some of these things with us we need to carry that section of 94H that talks about the um, COVID safe apps and the fact that uh, we don't have to download the QR code app on our phone. Uh, we need to carry the legislation dealing with the fact that if someone demands that you not come into their shop because you're not wearing a mask, they're committing an, uh, an offense that is punishable with, I think, five years in prison and a very large fine whose amount I can't remember right now. But, you know, we need to carry these things as a security blanket so that if any time we're challenged, we can put them on notice. That's the thing. They are putting us on notice. They are saying, you can't come into my business, my store, my, my clinic without doing what I'm telling you to. You need to say to them, what is your name? Okay. 
I would love to be able to support your clinic, your grocery store, your whatever establishment, but I will not support this if you are treating me like a second-class citizen. And in fact, I am putting you on notice that I'm going to file an official complaint against you because you are committing, you and your business are committing an offense. And that offense is a criminal offense and it is one that is punishable with a fine and a jail sentence. And <laughs> Lucy, there are plenty of people like me in England. You just need to find them. <laughs> so there are people in England. I, you know what, we, we talk so much online and I, I think that we need to um, start putting together uh, support groups around the country and around the world. We have support groups all around Australia, not we at the AVN, but there are support groups all around Australia and there are support groups all around the world and people who are saying what I am saying and doing what I am doing in just about every country. Um, yeah, see, Mary Rose, there is a $13,000 fine on business owners that don't enforce patrons or QR check-in. That is illegal. And they can make, the states can make any rules they want about that. They can say any fine they want to. The fact is that when there is a conflict between federal legislation and state legislation, the federal legislation always takes precedence. When there is a conflict between federal legislation and the Constitution of Australia, the Constitution of Australia takes precedence. So the, the state putting in a fine for businesses will not stand in court. And businesses need to understand that it is up to them to know the law. And if they don't know the law, it is up to us as the people they are discriminating against. And this is bigotry. That's all it is. Um, they are discriminating against us. We need to inform them of the law and the fact that they are breaching the regulations. So um, it is up to us to take those actions in a kind and calm and firm way. And by doing that, we will spread the information and also spread the support in the community. Because trust me, these people are suffering. These businesses, a lot of them are on the thin edge of bankruptcy. They don't want to kick you out. They feel they have no choice. We need to tell them they do have a choice. Not only do they have a choice, but they don't have a choice to do what the state government's telling them because it's illegal. So, um, you know, read the information on our website. Uh, we have just, there'll be an announcement made tomorrow. We are working with the Concerned Lawyers Network. They are sharing all of their template letters with us. They will be up on the AVN's website by tomorrow. And these are letters that you can again print out and carry with you to share with others and also to defend your rights when you're out. Um, there is great information out there. Let's access it. Let's read it and understand it. And let's share it with others so that we are working in a community of support rather than a community of ignorance. Okay, so I, yes, that's true. You have David Icke in the UK and David Icke does a great job. It's so funny because when I started doing this 27 years ago, one of the first people who contacted me was a guy who lived down near Coffs Harbor. And that was the first time I heard of David Icke. He gave me a I think it was actually a cassette because I don't even think there were CDs around back then. He gave me a cassette of David Icke and I listened to it and I thought, this guy is off the wall. I don't believe anything he says. And now, I mean, except for the 
um, reptilian stuff, which I really cannot get my head around. Um, he is spot on on everything, and he's been spot on for 30 years plus. So, yes, in the UK, you have David Icke. Um, and you have Brian Rose, and there are lots of people in the UK who are speaking out about these issues. So um, you really need to see if you can find them. And uh, there needs to be an international listing of support. Uh, I think that's really good. So um, on that note, after an hour and 38 minutes, I'm so sorry to keep you guys held up here for so long. Um, I hope you enjoyed tonight's Under the Wire. I hope you've taken away some good information that you can use. And I hope that everybody will share this as well um, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever, on any social media, and also possibly as a link to friends on email. Um, yeah, so we really and truly uh, need to stay in touch and keep working on this issue. Uh, we will see you next week. I have an interview on Sunday night, so um, it's going to be a great one. I will put up the ad for it tomorrow. And uh, until next week, good night from Under the Wire and from me and the AVN. Thank you all so much. Take care. Good night.